you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It is Monday, January 2nd, and you are listening to NFL Total Access. The podcast. Those are the voices of today's special guests. Voice number one, the resident play caller, the second best nickname in the biz. He's the Mooch. Coach Steve Mariucci, welcome back to the pod, Coach. Who's first, anyway? Voice number two belongs to the best nickname in the biz, the sweet potato kid. He's the Yammer. He's Mike Yam. Welcome back, Yam. Happy New Year to everyone. And Coach, you're always first. I am your host, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy. And it is only fitting that on this, the first episode of the new year, we have a whole new ball game. Because with one week to go in the regular season, we have a whole new playoff picture. Packers, back from the dead, now have the three most hopeful words in the English language pinned to their week, win and in. As for what else is going on out there, the Steelers are rocking, the Niners are rolling, the Lions are knocking, the Finns not controlling their own destiny anymore. The Patriots do control their own destiny, so do the Jags, so do the Titans, so did Ron Rivera, whether he knew it or not. Well, we'll see. The Hawks have hope, but the Hawks need help. The Bucks have a second straight division title for the first time in franchise history. And I will need help believing any one of you who think there'll be an easy out in the wild card round. I don't think that's a polygraph you can pass. Mikey M's Giants helped make history yesterday by securing their spot in the postseason. The G-Men joined the Ravens, Chargers, and Vikings on the list of teams to clinch a playoff berth after missing the postseason last year. It's an impressive turnaround for all four of those franchises, but it's not actually an improbable turnaround. Four teams have now accomplished that feat. Gentlemen, get a load of this. In 33 consecutive seasons. It's been a record year for close games. It's been a record year for comebacks. We've seen 114 games decided by a touchdown or less. 192 within one score in the fourth quarter, both numbers the most all time. And 50 games in which a team has overcome a deficit of at least 10 points to either win or tie also the most all time. What does it tell us? That one game, one drive, one play, and maybe one player, all that separates the party goers from the FOMO crowd in the NFL. Such are the razor thin margins in this league we love so much. On this show, we will recap Sunday's best. We will reframe the playoff picture and we'll take a preliminary look at the top 10 of the 2023 NFL draft order. But first, 
This. Brady throws a deep pass toward Evans, near sideline. He makes the catch of the 10, 5, 3, 2, 1, touchdown Tampa Bay. Looks downfield, throws the ball down the right. He's got Evans. Evans makes the catch of the 20, to the 10, to the 5, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans has two today. Throws toward Evans, toward the end zone. Evans, Andre Bay makes the catch. Touchdown Tampa Bay. Evans has three. Fire the cannons. Fire them. Brady, the GOAT. Evans, the goat herder, Bucks, the NFC South champ. Coach, are the Bucks also the NFC playoff spoiler? <laughs> you know what a game that was. Think about it. The oldest guy in the National Football League named Tom Brady, when a lot of people were just talking, of course, everybody was talking about, you know, that Bucks are just not who they used to be and blah, blah, blah. He saves his best game when it means the most. To go out and win and clinch the division. The clinch the division. It's his 19th divisional win. Are you kidding me? That's unbelievable career. And and then, you know, for, to throw for 432 yards and 127.3 passer rate, best of his season. And, of course, you know what, what you just saw, throwing the ball for three touchdowns to Mike Evans, who has not had a touchdown catch in 11 weeks, 11 games. And, uh, boy, did they put it together made a statement, and he's uh, saying, you know what, I'm not dead yet, because he's not only still kicking, he's still playing very, very well. Yeah, he sure is. Uh, Mike Yam, coach, intimated the, the numbers for Brady. Specifically, they were 34 for 45, as coach mentioned, 432 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and again, coach, as you mentioned, that 1273 Passer rating, something that struck me, guys, I had a closer look and I watched time and time again. I was a little obsessed with the Brady to Evans connection yesterday. I was nerding out on it a little bit and I watched those three touchdowns over and over again. And what struck me is this. It's not a measurable that we talk about. It's something that next gen stats maybe would be interested in looking at. But the farthest that Mike Evans had to stretch out his hands was on the first of the three touchdowns. And at the instant the ball hit his hands, Yammer, his arms were at a perfect 90 degree angle, which means that he didn't actually have to stretch his arms out very far at all. On the second touchdown, it hit his chest. On the third touchdown, it dropped into his hands and his hands were no more than six inches away from his chest. It was perfection. All three touchdown passes had 30 yards or more in the air. It was an exceptional performance. Mike Yam, a week or two ago, you said it was okay for me to doubt Tom Brady. Now I'm embarrassed that I ever asked that question. What are your feelings? What did you learn from the Bucks that maybe you didn't know before kickoff? Well, look, you know, our, our social team always asked for our upsets. And I actually went with Carolina in this game. I actually trusted the Panthers offense more than I did the the Bucks and the reality is, you know, I watched Mooch and Kurt Warner on Sunday morning talk about, you know, the inability for Mike Evans to get into the end zone. It had been 11 games. The point is we saw things on Sunday that we hadn't seen from this Bucks team for the majority of the season. So I think 
you know, based off of the evidence, I, I'm with you. Like, I think we still could. I don't feel bad about picking Carolina. Had it not been for some, you know, tough turnovers, maybe we're talking about a different result. But Mike Evans, this was not what we've seen from Mike Evans all season long. Uh, in fact, I think you go back to Christmas Day. David Carr's done a great job on NFL Network chronicling some of these throws, the timing issues that we hadn't seen from Evans and Brady in the past. And it looks like things are on the same page. But, you know, if you said to me, I'm a team in the postseason in the NFC. You know, do do the do the Bucks scare me? And I'm no, they don't. I, I think there's there's some other teams I'd rather not play, and and Tampa would be on the list of teams that I would want to play. And I know that sounds sacrilegious because it's it's Brady and company, but I think there's more to it than just Tom Brady and, and a big time performance from Mike Evans. So Mike Yam still has his doubts. A part of me is erasing all doubts. And I sort of did that on Friday, listening to Thomas Davis and MJ Acosta Ruiz's picks. They both picked the Panthers to win this game. Mike, I know uh-huh. you did too. I pushed back on them. It was something that Thomas Davis said. He said that this is is a Bucks team that lacks definition. And while I agree with him that in some ways it does lack definition, I think what he really means is that it lacks balance. And fine, they are in fact imbalanced. They cannot run the ball, or at least they do not commit to running the ball, but they have a player on their team capable of providing definition on any given snap, any given drive, any given Sunday. And that, of course, is the greatest to ever do it. So I am erasing all doubts from my emotional and mental chalkboard. They're gone. They're off the board. And I think you're wrong, Mike. I think they are a scary out. And I think if you are Mike McCarthy and if you are Dan Quinn today, knowing that chances are good that the Eagles will take care of business in week 18 against your Giants. We'll talk about why here in a moment. The Cowboys will very likely be in that five hole. That means they will be on the road to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if I'm the Cowboys, I am worried about one and done. Done because I think that is very, very conceivable. Next game, Packers 41, Vikings 17. Here comes Dixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 15. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25-30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's secretary at the Belmont. Down the stretch they come. No one will catch him. It is a touchdown. It is a 104-yard touchdown for Keyshawn Nixon. Keyshawn Nixon's special teams touchdown was followed moments later by Darnell Savage's defensive touchdown. He fires it over the middle, and it's broken up incomplete. Intercepted. Intercepted on the deflection. Picked off by Darnell Savage down the left side of the 40. He's got an escort to the 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Green Bay Packers. My goodness. Leaving a couple of errands to do the rest. And Rodgers takes, toss, goes to Jones around the left end. He's into the clear to the 40. Left sideline's 30. Angle out of bounds near the 20. Oh, what a play. Rodgers buying time, looking, lost, looks out of the end zone. Touchdown. Okay, guys, after the game, Aaron Rodgers reminded all of his doubters that they doubted him. He likes doing that. And he asked what they had to say Now, Yammer, I'll give you the first shot at this one. What do we have to say now? I have to give Aaron Rodgers full credit. He deserves an answer to his question because he did get doubts from so many of us all season. He's removed a lot of those doubts. What do we have to say now about what the back-to-back MVP just proved yet again? Am I a jerk if I say that this is less to do about Aaron Rodgers and more to do about the Green Bay defense? 
like, I get it. You know, we do this on NFL Network. I was watching the NBC crew, loving them up, and no one wants to pick a bit against Aaron Rodgers. And look at what the, you know, the MVP has done. One of the greats that we've ever seen suited up. I'm not denying oh, both things can be true. Like Aaron Rodgers had a great career, a stellar career that most people would love to have. I don't know if I would point to him as the reason for why this team is is back in the mix defensively. And what am I missing here? And, and coach, maybe you can enlighten me here. But the reality is this defense has been terrific over the last couple of weeks or so while they've won these football games. And while I see and it's it almost feels tangible to see an improvement in chemistry with the wide receivers and Rodgers. I don't know if there's a dramatic difference in Rodgers's play that has me going, he's the sole reason why Green Bay is back in the mix. To me, it is a night and day difference what I've seen over the last few weeks from this defense compared to what I saw from them the bulk of the season. So for as much as Rodgers gets the credit, I look at that other unit and say, that's the reason why they're winning. Coach, I want to interrupt and tee you up on that because I think Mike Yam is absolutely correct. And that's on the brain today. You have a history with Packers DC Joe Barry, a very personal history. In some ways, you put him on the football map. And I think Joe Barry's unit is putting that team on the NFL radar right now as as dangerous a team as they are. I think Yammer is absolutely right. Coach, tell us about your history with Joe Barry and what you are seeing from this Packers defense that makes them so dangerous right now. Well, I gave Joe Barry his first NFL job at the 49ers um, out of college and uh, kind of proud of that. I, I, I had, uh, I hired Dan Quinn for his first job out of Hofstra. Uh, you know, I just uh, was lucky enough to find some really good college coaches that, that were willing to work and get better. And, and I, I'm, I'm happy for where he is right now in the job that he is doing. And I'll be honest with you for a while, Packers were four and eight guys, four and eight. And now they're one win away from locking up a playoff spot. And, the, and Joe Barry was getting a lot of grief during that that uh, losing spell. All right. I it just, uh, you know, it, they weren't playing as well as he'd like them to. And and I'm good friends with Matt LaFleur, too, um, you know, over there. So they've had quite a season. So, you know, I'm proud of the fact that the defense, yes, is playing better. You don't see many people shut down the Vikings. The Vikings had been on a roll and Justin Jefferson is one of the great ones. And, and he was held to a couple catches. And I mean, they just did a great job. It's a, it's a tough out to go to Lambeau when it's a little chilly late in the year, uh, when they're a little bit healthy there and, and they are healthy now, healthier. Um, you're talking about David Bakhtiari coming back at left tackle and Nelton Jenkins is seemingly healthy. And those rookie receivers are better and playing better and healthy and, and so you mentioned the other Aaron Jones, the, the run game is really for real with AJ. It's just coming together late, better late than never, right? Yeah, and absolutely. So better late than never. And oddly and incredibly, you're actually overstating it when you say that Justin Jefferson only had a couple of catches. Justin Jefferson only had one reception for 15 yards. One yes, reception, that's right. Yeah, yes, yes I, that what he had was when Jair Alexander was on him, yep. and that's a quite a rival. Yeah, there was two targets and he had no catches against Jair okay. Alexander. So that was and it was gotten a little chippy. It was, you know, it's a rival, right? And because Justin had gosh, 160 or 70 yards in the first game when the Vikings beat him and, and he was really shut down. This time around, Kirk Cousins, 18 for 31, 205 yards, one touchdown and three interceptions. Justin Jefferson, as mentioned, one catch for 15 yards. If the Packers keep that up, if Jair Alexander keeps that up, 
they could be a real problem in the playoffs, especially if they beat the Lions in week 18. They are guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. They would be the seventh seed taking on the second seed. That second seed is still in flux. It could belong to the Vikings. It could belong to the Niners. It could belong to the Eagles. Time will tell on that one. Coach, last word on the Packers belongs to you. Packers, as mentioned, host the Lions in week 18. What are your early expectations for that win and in-game at Lambeau? Huge game. It's a rival game. We all know that. I love the way the NFL is scheduling the division games in the last week and sometimes in both of the last weeks of the season just to make these games even more important from a rivalry standpoint. So, you know, the Lions win the first game. Aaron Rodgers wasn't very good in that game. It was a low-scoring kind of game, but the Lions can score points now. We know the Lions can score with, with anybody. They've got eight games with over 30 points. I think that's the most in their franchise history. So uh, it's going to be one of those doozies. But the way, if the if the Packers play like they played against Minnesota, they were on a mission. I think they win it and get in the playoffs. Next game, next score, Giants 38, Colts 10. Play fake to Barkley. Jones rolls to his left, gets a block from Thomas. He's to the five. Jones races in. Touchdown, Giants. Second rushing touchdown for Daniel Jones. And let the party begin at MetLife Stadium. Mike Yams, Giants clinch a playoff spot. Daniel Jones, 19 for 24, 177 yards through the air and two passing touchdowns on the ground. 11 carries for 91 yards and two rushing touchdowns. I think we can agree that Brian Dayball all but sewed up the coach of the year award. He cares very little about that. He wants to win a game or two or three in the playoffs. But let's talk about Daniel Jones, guys, because in the biggest game of his career, Daniel Jones played the best game of his yeah. career, which reminds me of a guy named Eli Manning. Mike Yam, this is your team. This is your guy. Did Daniel Jones just play himself into a new contract? Did he just remove the franchise guy doubt? from his narrative? You know, this was, I said this on Total Access the other day, Michael Robinson put me on the spot and he said, well, what are the Giants going to do about Daniel Jones? I still think that this is one of the top three off-season questions that we are facing. And I hate to, to kind of go and jump past the postseason because the Giants and, and that fan base hasn't seen a team in the postseason since 2016. Brian Dayball, man, like I think about what this team has been able to accomplish. And granted, Saquon Barkley has been relatively healthy this year, and that's been certainly the difference. But can you imagine what this offense would be if the skill position players looked a little different? I mean, what they've been able to accomplish is pretty special, man. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins, this is a guy that I watched every single snap of his career in college. He was buried on the practice squad in Buffalo. Joe Shane, who was, who was there obviously in Buffalo, became the GM with the Giants, goes and signs him. And what does he do? He's got a touchdown in four of his last five games. Richie James is now coming up big. I think there's a part of me that says, yeah, they, they have to figure out what they're going to do with Daniel Jones. And I, dare I say, I think he's going to be the quarterback for the G-men moving forward. When you say dare you say that, is that is that with trepidation? Is that with anxiety? Are you saying that with regret? Or are you no. saying it as a kind of a tacit validation of the move? You know, definitely not a validation because I, I had some serious doubts. I think here's the reality. If you are an NFL fan and you are not fortunate to have the, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allens of the world to be York or the Joe Burrows to be your quarterback, then you're kind of in the middle of the pack, right? And I don't know, I don't know if I'll ever look at Daniel Jones and call him in one of the upper echelon quarterbacks. So I think I want to be greedy as a fan. I want the best guy that's out there. 
I think what we have in Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. I think there's going to be more pressure on Ryan Dayball uh, and that front office to to consistently bulk up this team. They address some of the needs, and I think they hit some home runs. Kayvon Thibodeau, now that he's healthy, I think he's been a focal point in that defense. Hard to take your eyes off of him a lot of times when the Giants are on that side of the field. So I do have some faith in, in this team. I just look at it, Andrew, for me as a fan. I want one of the best guys in the league, and I don't know if Daniel Jones is that guy. I think we just got to be content and and sort of work around him. In one conversation, by one metric, he belongs in pretty rarefied air. Only three quarterbacks have 3,000 passing yards and 600-plus rushing yards. That's Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, two MVP candidates, and Daniel Jones. Coach, will he add to those numbers, or will he take a powder in Week 18 against Philly. What is your theory on resting guys for the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Do you remember, uh, and we called the game, uh, when the Giants and Tom Coughlin, similar situation, they're already in the playoffs, couldn't move one way or another, and they're playing against an undefeated Patriots team, right? And Tom Coughlin chose to play everybody and go win that game, which was risky because if you got a couple of guys hurt, then it screws up your playoff chances, right? Well, you know what? They played everybody. They lost a real hard-fought game. They made the playoffs, and they won the Super Bowl that year. And was that the reason? I don't know. But it was just a mindset. Well, if we're in this game, we're going to play to win it. I don't know if that's exactly the same situation this year with this Giants team, who's 9-6-1. and But um, it will be fun to watch what Coach Dable decides to do in terms of resting people. If a guy's a little gimpy, if Saquon's got a tight hamstring, you don't play him, you know. But if you're still trying to make decisions on do I, do I want this quarterback for long term? Maybe you see what he's uh, what he's made of but one more time. Um, so it's going to be interesting to find out if, if Brian makes that decision to rest or to play and go for it. Can I just throw something at, at you, Mooch and, and Andrew? They got their doors blown off to the point where it was an embarrassing defeat for the Giants the last two times these teams played. So I think there's that mindset. And the one thing that we continue to hear out of that locker room is this buy-in. I find it hard to believe knowing the mentality of Ryan Dable and what he's trying to establish there, that this team, I think to Mooch's point of, hey, if Saquon's a little dinged up, you probably don't play him. But I, I think they're playing for keeps in this one to avenge what was embarrassing. And by the way, if you can make sure that one of your rivals in the division doesn't clinch uh, the number one seed, and makes it interesting for him. I think that's that's a little added bonus there. So here's the caveat there that I agree with that. But if they knock the Eagles off and the Cowboys win, then don't the Cowboys win that division and they're essentially helping another person, another team they hate, the Cowboys? They're kind right. of a catch twenty two here. You are, but the door is also open for the Niners to take the number one seed and get home fields throughout the postseason and a first round bye. All I'm saying is, I, as a Giants fan, that was a tough game to watch against Philadelphia last time out. Um, yeah. So, I, but I'm with you. It, it would help Dallas. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Steve Mariucci and Mike Yam coming up. Why Austin Eckler is the new Ladanian Tomlinson. Why Jarrett Stidham is the new Patrick Mahomes. And why Kyle Shanahan is the new Steve Mariucci. But first, final score, Falcons 20, Cardinals 19. The kick is from Koo and it is good. And Atlanta wins. Next game, final score, Jags 31, Texans Three. Side handoff, Travis Etienne. He's in the open field, 40, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Travis Etienne. Everything now points to week 18, gentlemen, when the AFC South division will be decided between the Jags and the Titans in Duval. On form, the Jags certainly have the edge. But on Sundays, weird things happen. We know this. Coach, what are you expecting from this all-or-nothing game between the Titans and the Jags next week? What you got here is two teams that are going in opposite directions. The Titans were the number one seed in the AFC last year, won the division three times in a row. They're not that team anymore. You take away A.J. Brown with a trade. You don't have you don't have Ryan Tannehill playing or your backup quarterback. And the Jags are the hot team right now where Trevor Lawrence and his supporting cast are really getting it. They're really playing the back nine very, very well. And it's at the Jags, you know, where they got the pool up there and people are swimming during the game. I don't get that, but it's pretty cool. And and uh, so right now, if, if you're asking me to pick a winner, I'm picking the Jags and they win that division because they're the hot team. A lot of this is about momentum going into these final games, momentum. And you got one team that's desperate, trying, and they're backed into a corner, the Titans, right? And then you got one team that's really feeling good about themselves, and they're going to a place where they haven't been in a long time to, you know, to, to or very often winning a division and, and jumping into the playoffs with second year quarterback. Mikey, M., I'll give you the last word on this. Finish this sentence for next week's Titans Jags game. I wouldn't be surprised if. I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Dobbs has another good performance, better than what we saw on Thursday night. I was impressed by what I saw. I think it's an incredible story. I think for all these teams that have been struggling to find quarterbacks, there are some, I think what Josh Dobbs proved is that there there are some guys that don't have jobs right now that that probably could help you win some football games. That said, I, I don't think Tennessee wins when I, I don't see that happening. Our next game was Sunday's last game. Steelers 16, Ravens 13. Pickett wants the snap. He's got it. Back to pass. Looking left. Under pressure. Gets away. Throws left side. Caught. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. It's Najee Harris. Gentlemen, you saw it. We just heard it. That off-script, off-base play gives Kenny Pickett his second consecutive fourth-quarter comeback, gives the Steelers genuine hope of a winning season, and perhaps even a playoff spot, and gives Steelers Nation yet another reason to believe that Kid Kenny was the right pick after all. Coach, you can't coach heart. We always hear that. This kid's got it. What is it about Kenny Pickett that you love? You know, we saw this the week before when he came back and put a drive together against the Raiders in Pittsburgh on Franco Harris night. It was uh, a spectacular, uh, gutsy effort in seven below weather, wind chill factor, and it was Kenny Pickens. And uh, you know what? The kid is, he said it, he's got it. What is it? I don't know. But all I know is he's got it. 
that was the right quarterback to take in this draft. I think that's becoming pretty darn obvious. And they have a young team over there in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin is trying to avoid his first losing season ever in 16 years. He's got 15 in a row where he hasn't had a losing season. And this young football team is getting back. When young kids have a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing, okay, when they, when they stay healthy, they improve in November and December. They improve because they're getting all the necessary practice reps. And so that's where the Steelers are right now. So, you know, they I got a feeling they're going to finish strong and they got to play the Browns at home. That place is going to be wound up. And I like Kenny Pickett, but he, he did it again. Mike, yeah, the numbers that jump off the page to me for this game, Steelers rushed 41 times for 198 yards. Something else that struck me at the end of that game was the just the youthful, exuberant joy that was coming out of Najee Harris so much. He grabbed the mic from Melissa Stark's hands at the end of that one and started doing his own interview, mugging to the camera. A loose team is a dangerous team. Coach mentioned their youth. I think Steelers Nation probably feels a heck of a lot better after week 17 than they ever thought they would after week seven. Yeah. No, I'm with you, Harris. That was you know a season high for him with the, the buck 11 on the football fields. I, I think in a game between two physical teams, Pittsburgh asserted their will in these crucial moments. And I think what's concerning to me from a Baltimore perspective, we make a lot of what this team looks like without Lamar Jackson. And I get it. They are different. And I I have no idea what happens if Lamar's playing in that game. Because even late, you know, it's, it's not like I sit there and I go, hey, Lamar's Joe Burrow or he's Justin Herbert or Josh Allen. But I felt more confident uh, in that offense, maybe getting downfield, getting in a field goal range and, and letting uh, Tucker do his thing. It, it, it Something was missing there, but Pittsburgh was 10 to 16 on third down. You gave the rushing numbers out there. I think there's, a, I'm not going to say panic. I just say a little bit of cause for concern right now from this Baltimore perspective and, and what they are heading into the playoffs. Next game, next score, 49ers 37, Raiders 34. That game ended in overtime. And it is good! The 49ers have beaten the Raiders in overtime. Kyle Shanahan's Niners have won nine straight games, most for this franchise since they won 11 straight games back in 1997 under the direction of, what was that guy's name again, Yammer? Oh, I, one of the more talented guys that we have at NFL Network, uh, knows how to have some fun, uh, pretty good coaching acumen. Oh, he's also on this podcast. Ah, yes, yeah, Steve Mariucci. Niners can clinch the second seed with a win next week against the Cardinals. Now, keep in mind, they still have a shot at the top seed. If the Eagles lose their third straight game and the Niners beat the Cardinals, Kyle Shanahan says this team has been in, quote, playoff mode for some time now. Coach, I turn to you. What does that mean? What does playoff mode consist of? Help us lay people at home. Playoff mode means that you're in sort of a must-win kind of situation. The game is very important. Got to find a way to win it. It's not good enough for a moral victory or, oh, we're getting better, or our young quarterback is going to make some mistakes, but he's going to be okay. You got to win because they're trying They're trying to be the second or the first seed in, in the NFL playoffs. Very important to get home field advantage if possible. And, you know, with Brock Purdy, that's been really one of the big stories in the National Football League, Mr. Irrelevant coming in and not playing like a Mr. Irrelevant. And you're talking about a guy who's really taking the bull by the horns and playing very, very well and to the point where they're now they're the expected Super Bowl champion in many people's minds. 
So uh, I like the way they play. Every young quarterback would love to play with the first-ranked defense, right? That's a quarterback's best friend is a great defense and a running game. Oh, by the way, the Niners have both. So Purdy has got a lot of friends over there. But you know what? You still have to make big plays on third and eight and, and, and put some passes in there and tight numbers at times. And he's doing that. So this team is a dangerous team. It's a confident team. Had a lot to do with uh, acquiring Christian McCaffrey through the through. The, they're nine and zero since they started uh, with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the guy is a he's such a great player. Uh, I don't know. The Carolina Panthers are are doing really well without him. Um, but certainly the Niners are are doing well with him. And so um, 49ers are a team that I picked to win the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl against the Bills in the preseason. I'm sticking with that prediction, fellas, because I think this team is really dangerous. Sounds like a pretty good prediction. You know, this is a team that is clearly defined, if we're being honest, by their defensive unit. And yet they would do worse than to be defined by the play of Brock Purdy right now, as Coach mentioned. He is only the second quarterback since 1950 to start 3-0 and and throw multiple passing touchdowns in each of his first three career starts. The only other person to do that, Kurt Warner, back in 1999, a year in which he won NFL MVP and Super Bowl MVP. Purdy, incidentally, and Hall of Famer Dan Marino also have something in common. They're the only quarterbacks since 1950 with multiple pass touchdowns and a 100-plus passer rating in each of their first three starts. Mikey M, I'm going to give you the dirty work on this game. Please forgive me in advance. The Raiders eliminated from the playoffs, but Jared Stidham played well. In spite of that overtime pick, he was bumped on the release uh, during that throw. He threw for three touchdowns against the number one defense in the NFL. Only Patrick Mahomes had done that before Stidham this season. And I think, Mike, this is a good time to bring in the current top 10 of the draft order. Heading into week 18, the draft order stands as such. From 1 to 10, from top to bottom, Houston Texans have the number one overall pick. Then the Bears. Then the Seahawks, a pick, of course, that they acquired from Denver in that trade for Russell Wilson. The Cardinals draft fourth currently. The Colts draft fifth. The Detroit Lions draft sixth, a pick that they acquired from the Rams in that trade involving Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. The Raiders now come in at seven. Currently, the Raiders are picking seventh. And as you mentioned, Mike Yam, they have nine picks overall. I'm going to circle back to them in one second. The Falcons pick eighth currently. The Panthers currently pick ninth. And the top 10 is rounded out by the Tennessee Titans, who currently, again, currently heading into week 18, have the 10th pick. Okay, Mikey, and with the future of Derek Carr looking decidedly non-silver and black, are the Raiders looking for a QB in this draft with either that seventh pick or using some of the capital from those nine total picks? Or did Jarrett Stidham just make a case to potentially address another area of need? in the first round and maybe wait another season before going after a quarterback because admittedly this year's draft is not quarterback rich. What say you, Mike Yam? I think that you can't put too much stock in what 
we just saw from from Jared Stidham. If that's the case, then the Jets probably got to feel pretty good about Mike White. Small sample size. That said, Josh McDaniels must like him. Had him in New England, traded for him so that he'd be the backup uh, to Derek Carr. I'm not sold on that. I think every team that struggles at that position or, or is making or turning the page thinks about the next player that they can get in the draft. Picking in the top 10, like the Raiders will be picking, they're going to have their pick. You know, most teams that you made reference to the Texans come to mind. We'll see what Seattle does with Geno Smith, who's set to be a free agent, but the rest of those teams, maybe the Colts, they might be able to move up, but the top three right now, we're talking about Bryce Young out of Alabama, CJ Stroud, who we saw over the weekend for Ohio State, who's accomplished as much as, as any quarterback uh, that we've seen other than you know winning a Heisman as a finalist twice. Will Levis has got the measurables out of Kentucky. I think they're looking at a quarterback here. Um, Andrew, that's, that's my gut on this one. I don't think Stidham's the answer. Next game, the Battle of Los Angeles. Chargers 31, Rams 10. Eckler hits the hole and he's through to the 40, to the 50. To the 40, it's a foot race. 30, 20, 10. Austin Eckler, touchdown. Chargers, 72 yards, a new career long. Austin Eckler with back-to-back games with two rushing touchdowns for the first time since Hall of Famer Ladanian Tomlinson did it for the ball. Mike Yam, this is your chance to do what you do better than most people other than maybe Matt Money Smith and Daniel Jeremiah. Wax poetic about the Bolts. Go. Uh, a team that when they're healthy is as dangerous as they come in the NFL. I saw some impressive grabs from Mike Williams that all just jaw-dropping. Justin Herbert on the short list of the best quarterbacks, top three, top five at worst in the NFL. And I think Brandon Staley characterized it really well a couple weeks ago. Tell me the quarterback that has lost his two top wide receivers like Justin Herbert did. Lost uh, a a tackle who is as good as they come uh, in the NFL. And a defense that was missing Bosa, hasn't played J.C. Jackson most of the season and yet still in the playoff picture. In fact, they've already locked up their spot. Look, you get to the postseason, everyone is dangerous here, but some of the haymaker throws that Justin makes are impressive. And I think what's going to be really fascinating long-term, Mooch, is how this team and Andrew, how they identify how they want to run the football effectively. Eckler's tremendous. The two touchdowns, he could break away speed here uh, and the receptions are impressive, but they don't necessarily have that guy. And I talked to Austin before the season. They were hoping, you know, that uh, Isaiah Spiller, their draft pick would be that guy that that in between the tackles type of runner. That's not Austin Eckler, but I still think that this team is dangerous. Coach, you're on record by saying that the Buffalo Bills will be the AFC participant in this year's Super Bowl. But let's talk about the Chargers in terms of how tricky an out they will be in the playoffs. Do you see them having deep playoff upside? Anytime you have a real capable quarterback and a a supporting cast that is veteran-like, you have a chance to beat anybody on any given Sunday. So you you, you ever talked about their health, which seems to be improving. It was good to see Joey Bosa back on the field. My God, did they miss him this year? And uh, you know this team, this team might be like one one year away from being really a favorite kind of a contending team. Uh, their their playoff team will be a tough out for anybody. Um, they're still chasing the Chiefs, we know that. But uh, this team, when they add a couple of pieces of need, and now with with a team that's close, you can identify those needs. Is it that other running back? Is it that another corner? Is it one more pass rusher? Is it a tackle? They can identify those needs. 
and address them specifically in free agency and in the draft. And then all of a sudden now you're you're right there where you want to be after building this team up for a couple of years. So we all love the quarterback and we know he's done it without some of his guys. But when they're together, look out because he's capable of putting a 400 yard passing day anytime on you. Next game, Browns 24, Commanders 10. Watch it up in the pocket. Looking. Cooper's wide open. Caught it. 10. He's at the 5. He cuts to the pylon. Touchdown, Amari Cooper. His second of the day. My Commanders, I'm not sure what to say about this team. That's not true. I'm not sure what to feel about this team. I certainly know what to say about this team. Ron Rivera chose Carson Wentz over Taylor Heineke. He had the power to make that choice. He made that choice. It didn't seem by the middle of the game, certainly by the end of the game, as if that was the wisest choice. Carson Wentz did, in fact, throw three picks. What stood out to most people is that after the game, it seemed quite clear that Ron Rivera did not realize that with a loss and a Green Bay win, that they would be eliminated from playoff contention. If you guys are eliminated today by what happens at 4 o'clock, is Sam Howell in consideration? We can be eliminated. Yeah, if the Packers beat the Vikings, then you guys are eliminated. Well, we'll see. Coach, I don't want to put you on the spot with this, so let's put Mike Yam on the spot with this question. Is that disqualifying, Mike? I love Ron Rivera. I love his history. I love his attitude. I love how decisive he was, even if I didn't like the words that he chose when he made the original decision to bench Carson in place of Taylor Heineke. But in a moment like this, we get on players' cases all the time for their ability or their inability is what we get on their case for, their inability to meet moments. Situational football, that's the phrase that we always go back to. That is what defines great players. It is what defines great teams. It is what defines great coaches. And yet this situation seemed beyond Ron Rivera's understanding that he didn't even know that was the case. Am I being too hard on my guy Is this disqualifying? Because as a commander's fan, it feels like it. I've gone back and forth on this one. I think there's a part of me that says this dude must be so focused on getting this win that you almost take into, you know, what's that old phrase? Hey, like block out all the noise, like tunnel vision blinders. I got the feeling that that might be the the positive sell on it. I was surprised to hear some of those comments because I do think situationally things change in certain moments, but maybe they don't. I mean, Mooch has been in that chair before. I, you know, the Wentz decision to start him surprised me a little bit. I I know Heineke struggled, but that was against the Niners team and a defense that's pretty darn good. There was a sense of relief when I saw Carson Wentz in that second quarter get into the end zone and how fired up he was. I was like, oh, okay, maybe there's something there. Some of these decisions, though, and some of these picks, you know, you get to that second interception, you're like, damn, man, is this this is this is why you lost your starting job at one point. I'm with you, Drew. I know you're a commander's fan. To be fair about it, if it was my coach that said those comments, I would have been upset. I think in the end, if I look at the playoff picture, and this is a perfectly good time to do that, we promised to look at the playoff picture. Let's look at the NFC playoff picture as it stands right now. The top seed still, in spite of two straight losses, are the Philadelphia Eagles. The Niners are second. The Vikings have dropped to third. The Bucks have now sewn up the fourth seed. Cowboys at five, your Giants, Mike Yam at six, and the Seahawks at seven. The Lions are on the outside looking in at eight. The Packers are sitting there at nine, and yet they have a giant asterisk next to their name because they control their own destiny. If they beat the Lions in week 18, 
they supplant the Seahawks and take the seven seed to themselves. So I think if we look at that playoff picture, the way that it has worked out, I do not believe that the Commanders are a better team than the Seahawks or the Lions or the Packers. Are they capable of beating all three teams? Of course. I think we're capable of beating the Giants, and I think we're capable of even beating the Cowboys next week, and we may just maddeningly prove it. So I'm not upset about not making the playoffs. I'm upset about not making the playoffs with your best quarterback leading the way. I don't like going down with a loss to a guy that you benched in place of a guy who had a five, three, and one record as a starter. And Mike, as you mentioned, struggled against a team that 31 other starting quarterbacks, including Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, would have struggled against. Coach, help me with the decision to go with Carson Wentz over Taylor Heineke. You understand coaches and coaching better than I do. Was it an attempt to infuse this team with some late season energy? Because I got the impression that Taylor Heineke had already done that. There were times where Taylor Heineke played very well, very gritty, uh, some comebacks, some toughness that he would display. Um, He won some games, all of that. He wasn't the original starter. Carson Wentz was. And then we, we as outsiders, don't know how they're practicing, how a kid grades out necessarily. And so Ron, I didn't talk to him about this, but probably said, hey, uh, Taylor, we got as much out of Taylor as we're going to get. Let's see uh, if uh, Carson can get get it back somehow. And, and so obviously he didn't play well at all. I mean, Zach Wilson got benched when he was five and two. Now, the, the, he beat the Buffalo Bills. Now, he wasn't playing well, and it was obvious to the layperson watching because they won games on defense and other reasons, but the, the record simply doesn't tell the whole story. I wouldn't be surprised if your commanders end up taking a look at Sam Howell this week, the kid they drafted out of Carolina, North Carolina, who I got to know coming out of the draft. He was a, he was a winner. He was a good player. Um, they might want to see what they have since they're not in the playoffs anymore. They might want to see, give him a game put under his belt to make a decision as to where they go next year. Do they draft another kid? Do they go with somebody that's on board? Who do they cut? Uh, all of those things. So I think, I think they've already decided that the two that they've played, whether it be Taylor Heineke or, or Carson Wentz, um, it, it hasn't been good enough or consistent enough for them to go forward with. So let's take a look at Sam Howell. We'll see. Next game, Seahawks 23, Jets 6. Going to throw back inside. Ball is caught. Gang Green eliminated with their fifth straight loss. The 12s have hope, but they need help. Let's talk about Gino. Completes the former team sweep. Really impressive. He beat the Chargers. He beat the Giants. Now he beat the Jets. Gino Smith, you officially get the last laugh on this season, no matter what happens in week 18. Guys, Kenneth Walker, Back in the lineup, 133 yards. Mike Yam with consistency at running back. I see this potentially as a team that may have already clinched a playoff spot. Could this, will this be a season of woulda, coulda, shoulda looking back? Yeah, I think there's part of that, but I'll tell you what, man. I mean, I know you you, you mentioned this before about Gino. How about a dude who's thrown for over 4,000 yards? I, I think if you would have asked me if that was possible for Gino Smith, I would have said, no, you're crazy. But I think all things being equal, 
Kenneth Walker, this this kid, this rookie running back, and, and Mooch, I know you've you sort of loved him up on a lot of our shows during the season. He is really impressive, man. He is, I think, in a lot of ways, the difference maker in this game. And I think for this Seattle team to do it against that Jets defense, knowing what Gang Green was still playing for, I, I think it speaks volumes to it's a testament to obviously Pete Carroll and that's and that staff to, to get this team ready to go. Coach, the Seahawks have the third pick currently in the draft. Thank you, Denver Broncos. Are they looking for a quarterback? Mikey M intimated earlier that that may be something that they're going to take a look at. But of course, the play of Geno Smith makes that a much more complicated decision to make. Did Geno Smith silence that debate, the quarterback debate for another year, should the Seahawks focus on other areas of need? Does Geno Smith's play silence that debate or just make that debate harder to have? It makes it harder to have because Geno had his best year ever and they're winning with him. Just think about if, if he would have flopped, this would have been an easy decision. Just say, yeah, let's go get the best quarterback we can at number three. Well, now, even if they want to add a quarterback, and they probably will, right? It doesn't have to be that third pick. It can be a late hit, a lot of picks. You, you could you could get the best pass rusher, the best tackle in the draft, right? and have a starter on your team. Gino is a starter in this league. So I think the fact that he's playing this well and he's helping provides them the opportunity to build their team up around him. If there's a guy that they can find in the draft a little bit later that they really like, to be the backup and groom him uh, for the future, that's terrific. But they don't have to draft a guy through to uh, to be competitive next year. Gino's their guy. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy. Next game, Lions 41, Bears 10. Goff takes the snap, looks left, now comes back right, sets up the screen, got it to slip, picks up a block at the 20. Swift 15, Swift 10, Swift 5, Swift Enzo, touchdown Detroit Lions! Like the Seahawks, the Lions have hope, but they need help. First job, of course, will be to beat the Packers, who they face in Green Bay, in week 18. Guys, I want to look back and quote Dan Campbell accurately because I think I and a number of other people have taken liberties with what he gave us in that preliminary press conference when we kind of watched through our hands and we were slightly embarrassed about his word choice and the enthusiasm with which he provided it. He said, when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up, and it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. And on the way up, 
We're going to take your other kneecap and we're going to get up and it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before long, we're going to be the last one standing. That is going to be the mentality. Now, you read that quote now differently. At least I do. I read it differently and I hear it differently based on what we have seen from this Lions team. I don't want to talk about week 18. I don't even want to talk about the this could end up being a season of oh so close. Coach, I want to ask you, how good has this season been for the franchise and the city of Detroit? Yeah, I, I watch this with interest having grown up in Michigan and coached with the Lions. And so you know, this trade, when you go, you rewind and you, you look at the trade with Matthew Stafford, okay? And in some ways, the Lions got rich with draft choices and got a pretty darn good quarterback in the bunch. Jared Goff is is exceeding expectations for people back there. They don't need to draft a quarterback either. And so they can keep building up their team. You know, their defense isn't playing all that great. That's where they can focus this offseason in free agency and draft is building up their defense. They, uh, Aiden Hutchinson is a, is a great one for last year, and he's heck, he might be the defensive rookie of the year, but they're going to add to that. Their offense has been terrific. In fact, one of the better offenses in the National Football League. Restore the Roar is alive and well. And, you know, that soundbite, from Dan Campbell, you know, if he flops and he gets fired, you're going to play that soundbite and just kind of chuckle. And if he wins and they succeed, you're going to play that soundbite and we're going to go, you know what? He was serious and this is the team that's taken on the personality of their coach. And so uh, I like where they're headed, but even if they lose to the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau next Sunday night, um, it will be a, this season is a big time step in the right direction for that organization. And they still got a lot of draft picks that keep building it up. Next game, Chiefs 27, Broncos 24. Mahomes looks there, outside throw to McKinnon, touchdown! Kansas City, Jarek McKinnon is a touchdown machine! Russell Wilson turned back the clock to his days as a dual threat quarterback. The Chiefs kept pressure on the Bills for the top seed. Guys, I want to ask you this, Mike Yam, specifically you. We are seduced by the Mahomes, Reed, and Bienemy triumvirate. We are seduced by Kelsey's consistency and the fact that he is never covered, it seems. He's always open. And we are also convinced by the upside of one Isaiah Pacheco. But is it just possible, Mike Yam, that Jarek McKinnon is actually the key to success for the Chiefs in the postseason? You know, I won't go that far. Obviously, a big weapon for this team coming out of that backfield, you know, five catches. It seems like all these timely plays he's been able to deliver for this team. But I still think about what Mahomes is able to do still in a lot of ways the straw that stirs that drink and kelsey is just a monster i look they got weapons here and this is a balanced attack they're one of the best offenses that we have in this league you can make the case that they are the best you know for for still this squad to make a run i'm still a little concerned i, I need to see some more stops from them on the on the defensive side i think they're not below what we're seeing from some of the other premier teams in the nfl last game saints 20 eagles 10. Throws a quick one, and that's picked off by Marshawn Lattimore. Pick six. Welcome back, Marshawn. That's how you do it. Happy New Year, baby. The NFC top seed has been topsy-turvy. They are 0-2 with Gardner Minshew. 
Hertz will very likely be back to face Mike Yam's Giants in week 18. Coach, any concerns about an emotional dip as you head into the playoffs, as you head into week 18? You know, on our Sunday show, we were talking about what is smart in terms of resting Jalen Hurts some more. He's got a shoulder injury, a throwing shoulder injury. Not only does that affect passing if it's still sore, um, he has the most designed quarterback runs in the league. It, it, he gets hit a lot, and that's how he heard it, you know, just slamming on the ground with that right shoulder. So, um, you know, my 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 feeling was as fresh as he can get and healthy as healthy as he can get, that's fine. Forget about any rust. Now, it looks like he's going to have to play because they have to win this game. And I thought Gardner Minshew actually would play better than he has. He's only two. But you're talking about a defense that hasn't been playing very well either. That's a really good, talented defense. You know, they got to get Lane Johnson back. Uh, they just got to play well. The other caveat in the game with the Eagles and the Giants is Giants can't improve their seed status. So who do they rest? So it's going to be an interesting game. I do know that they've got to get Jalen Hurts healthy, ready to play this game. Um, if he can, he should. And maybe if they can get a lead, get him out of there, whatever. But uh, they have to win this game. They want to have that that buy. The, the first round buy is so imperative for their success. Mikey, M, last word on this goes to you. A team's balance is only really tested when important pieces are taken off the scale. Jalen Hurts goes down with the aforementioned shoulder injury. And we are seeing, or at least we are invited to believe, that the vaunted balance of this team that we likened to a Buffalo Bills-esque kind of balance may not be as balanced as we thought. They haven't been able in either game without Jalen Hurts to metabolize and succeed in his absence. If you're an Eagles fan, how concerned are you heading into a Week 18 game against your Giants and you, speaking on behalf of your Giants, are saying, if you know Dayball the way you think you know Dayball, you are going to put a full complement of your best players on the field in Week 18. It's important for the team's chemistry. It's important to right the wrongs of an earlier bad loss. How worried are you if you're an Eagles fan today? And how worried should you be? Yeah, I, I'm not all that worried. I and mean, we're still talking about the MVP. I, you know, at least on the short list, it's either uh, Mahomes or Hertz. I guess there's an argument for Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, but, uh, you know, I still think there's balance here. To me, what do they get? Seven sacks in this game against against the Saints? You know, they gave up 20 points. If you're not going to win games, you can't score more than 20. I just, I don't know. I, I'm not overly concerned here. I think if Jones Jalen Hurts is out there, this team is still one of the top three teams in the league. So I, I'm not hitting the panic button right now. I want to thank today's special guest, the coach, Steve Mariucci, the host, Michael Yam. Thank you guys so much for making the time as you so often do. Please join us tomorrow on the pod when we look more closely at the AFC playoff picture. We recorded today's show prior to kickoff in that Bills-Bengals game. There is so much significance attached to that Bills-Bengals game that we cannot in good faith examine that AFC playoff picture until we know the result of that game. We will know it tomorrow. We will do a deeper dive then. Till then, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, 
Visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.